Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it's super sunny right now. Are you ready for the onslaught of wizard, wizard, (laughs) of winter blizzard that's happening tonight? Are you ready for the wizards? Well, it's funny you say that because Jared did say it was witching season the other day. I don't really know what he meant by that. No, it's literally like all of our snow is almost melted. The sun is shining. It looks like I could just go for a nice walk and we're supposed to get eight inches of snow tonight. Ask me how I feel about it. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, here's the thing. I like snow. I don't mind it being cold. But if you're going to do this 70, 25, 70, negative five, like, Mm-mm. no. And that's literally pick, what we've been having. Pick mm-hmm. a lane. No, your are lane. Weather. Pick one. Stick. You could, I know weather I just, could do t- to listen to our message today. <laughs> I know. Okay. So, you know, what makes me, I've been thinking about what we're going to talk about today and like blast from the past and all the things. And so one of our old clients was a salsa company and I'm over here having like a morning grieving session because y'all I can't eat tomatoes. Oh yes I forgot how did you forget I literally every day it's a problem every day I'm really sad for you I currently have rashes on my feet because I ate tomatoes three days ago like Yes, absolutely. I almost died. You just missed it. I was moments away from begging to go oh, to the hospital. No. That's how bad it was. So I am in the process of, by the time you listen to this episode, I should have an EpiPen in my possession for emergencies. But I have been told I should probably not try to reintroduce tomatoes, maybe ever. So, 
Well, if any holistic nutritionists are listening and can get Abby back on the tomato train safely, please message her. I miss tomatoes are great. I didn't realize how much it would affect me. I cried in the shower (laughs) because, oh no. Okay. So one of my favorite all time recipes, favorite all time recipes for my grandmother is her tomato basil pie. It's not a thing that is really made in the Midwest. Apparently it's a Southern dish. I didn't know this until I was trying to compare contrast recipes because I was just curious if other people even made this thing. But I will never have another slice of my favorite pie. Never say never. Our bodies are crazy and change often. Maybe someone can help you tackle this. Be the tomato optimist today. Okay. I'm leaving it for you. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. Did you finish your Netflix book? I haven't finished it, but it's been a really incredible, like, continue to get new nuggets. This is an exercise you guys can do, too. I love part of the conversation that you brought to our leadership meeting last week was really just about, like, okay, here are the decisions that Netflix made at various stages of their business when, honestly, it seemed like every odd was against them and everything was stacked, like, not in their favor. And here's what they went all in on. And then here are the results. And here's what they tweaked. And here's what they did. And so what did you say? Oh, the your idea, and this got me brainstorming. And I love things like this, of just, like, quick exercises you can do with your team, even if the answers don't come right there, the question's still lingering in the back of the brain. And it was the concept of, like, okay, Netflix decided to try multiple tweaks to one thing. Everyone always says like only tweak one thing at a time so you can measure it. And I'm generally in that camp, like truthfully. However, when it was kind of like, we have everything to lose and nothing to lose kind of thing. So it's like, why not try all the things we think might work? And so it's seemingly, you can really only tell this by like looking back, seeing how successful Netflix is today. Like that definitely helps. But it was like, they tweaked and changed it's like seven different things as part of their process and their membership to hope that it would like be enough to kind of be this brand new out of the box new way in so many different areas that obviously it like it worked and they crushed it and so the question was kind of like okay if we've been thinking about our own messaging, our own products, our own offers, or whatever it might be, something as tiny as an opt-in or as big as like an entire membership, doesn't matter. What are the things you think that you want to try and you only really want to try one of them, but could we try like five things and make it just like something super cool and unique? Yeah. Cause the thing that I kind of leaned into with that is I think for them, the secret sauce was in the combination of instead of the individualized things. And so what's the combination? It's sort of, it goes back to that like perfect recipe thing. Like the individual ingredients are only so great, but when you put them all together, then it's like an explosion and it's really fantastic. And so I love pulling out the little nuggets like that. There is this one recently, which was I, as the owner of this company, the co-founder of this company, I was really taken aback in this part of the book because the guy who wrote it, It was, I wouldn't say it was his concept. Obviously he had a team around him. Like, so it was like definitely developed together, but his original partner wasn't a working partner. So his original partner was a cash partner. And so the person was funding the idea, but he was the one moving the baby forward and like continuing to really go all in on it. Like a business sugar daddy. Exactly. (laughs) And his business partner 
basically gave him an ultimatum and said, I don't think you're fit to run this company by yourself. And he was like, I know I've been funding you, but I need to play a bigger role in how we move forward. And as such, I need some of your shares. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was just like, I don't know. Not that anything in particular is happening in our business, but I just, it was surprising because obviously hindsight's always 2020, but he was saying he was willing to be incredibly transparent with me to the point of like, I didn't even want to hear it because it hurt to hear the truth. And I'm like, ew, like you never want to be in a position in your business where it hurts to hear the truth. There's a hundred percent been times in the business where it hurt to hear the truth, but it was so necessary. And so, you know, just, it gets you thinking and gets you, you know, questioning. I never want to assume I'm not the right person to be in charge, but sometimes when you're floundering through it all, you're like, oh, would it help to have someone else come in and run this thing? And oh, you if you haven't I was heard the podcast say, about me ranting on this, <laughs> I have, no, I am not suggesting, and that, that's the thing, is he didn't give up running it. He just decided to let other voices be more significant well, and, and like do it in collaboration. What I love about, I mean, we've been 50, 50 partners since the beginning. And so we've had collaboration literally since day one, but we've also built, I feel like a really unique culture within our team of collaboration as well. And I was having this discussion with a teammate, I'm pretty sure in one of their reviews and like 60 day or something like that. And I was saying something like, no, it was a 30 day review. Anyways, I was saying something about, you know, they were leaning a lot into perfectionism and wanting to work on it in a silo and then present it to the team. Ideally in the dream world, it's like 99.9% there. And it's like, so perfect. It's so done. It's so good. And I was just like, LOL, none of us do that. (laughs) So all of us have such unique skill sets and bring such a unique perspective to nearly every single thing that goes out the door. And we pride ourselves on bringing everyone's expertise to what you all see in the show, in the company, in our content, in our programs, everywhere, that there is not one thing I can think of not one thing that has gone out or goes out without someone else's eyeballs or perspective on it. And whether that be like someone else created the template and the other person fulfills it, or someone created the canned response and then this person fulfills it. There has been at least two hands on every single thing in this entire company. So I was like, "Eh, don't stress getting at 99.9. That's not what we do around here. No, it's not. And I think building a culture of collaboration is so huge. I've just been really fascinated by this book. Well, speaking of collaboration, I'm going to move us into housekeeping. And this is a, I think I'm going to start being the queen of, was that a great segue or no? But here we go. Speaking of collaboration, (laughs) we are coming together with hopefully you, but our entire team and some kick-ass clients for the Freedom Conference. And it's starting literally next week. Like today, if you're listening to this on March 22nd, it is starting March 29th, which is next Tuesday, next week. It's going to be incredible. And I hope you've snagged your ticket. Like you need to get on it and grab it right now. It's only 47 bucks and it gets you access to our one day event where we're having four sessions spread out over the course of the day that are going to absolutely 
inspire you, reignite any sort of doubt, burnout, confusion, overwhelm that you've got going on in your service-based business. So we're taking you through the journey of finally deciding to build life first and what does that actually mean and tangibly how do you get there? And we're showcasing and hopefully getting you to feel a little bit of camaraderie around the journey that business actually is, the natural rhythm and flows of a business so that you can begin to predict and see into the future of what's coming your way so you can navigate through it, around it. We can't make every obstacle go away for you. We wouldn't even if we could because that's not how this works, but we can equip you and arm you with the necessary tools so that you can get through it. And we're segueing into the conversation about pricing, which is like the most scandalous topic in every industry, I feel like. But we're having on one of our amazing clients, Bonnie, who created, found, made happen $60,000 in six weeks through existing clients. So we're walking you through the timeline to 60K, the road to 60K, the steps that she took to get there, how we helped her do that, the tweaks that she made, advice that she has for you. That one's gonna be a really, really cool thing if you've got existing clients and you're like, come on guys, you owe me more money. That's gonna give you the tools on how to actually make that happen. Then we're going into the panel about pricing. So again, continuing the elusive conversation, sexy conversation about money and what to charge and how to charge and how to raise your rates and what does it look like if I offer my services on a retainer or one and done or one and done. And then they come back for another one and done. And how is it different across the board, depending on how your service is delivered and how you want to actually grow and scale your business. And then we're finishing the day with perhaps like my favorite conversation. We're going to be walking you through the toxic traits that are happening within your company right now, or could very easily happen if you don't make some small changes. And it's really all about how you can shift from almost being a contractor in your own business. You know what I mean? Like service providers kind of like are doing the work all the time and they feel like they're just like coming in and doing the copywriting or doing the design or doing the client management, but they're not sitting in that CEO seat enough because no one really knows how to do it. So we're walking you through what does that process actually look like to shift out of just contractor mindset and being your home contractor into truly leading your company as the CEO. So join us that day. I'm so excited. You can grab your tickets at bossproject.com slash conference. We would love to see you there. It's going to be such an amazing day. And I can't wait to pour into you guys and really get to hear more about your services, the things you're offering, where you're feeling stuck and to help you guys prep. I want to hear from you, myself and our client concierge, Katie, we're in the DMs all the time. So if you can DM us over at Boss Project, I would love to know, like, what are you feeling right now is your biggest hang up from going into this next season in your business? Are you feeling like you're stuck on money? Are you just not sure what it's going to take to go to the next level? Are you feeling like your systems are a mess? Like what is it specifically? I would love to chat it out and help you kind of start to build a roadmap for what it could yeah. look like. And if you're out of time and money, I really, really encourage you to open up the conversation and start chatting because we're we're going to help you get clear on what lever then you need to pull in order to free up one of those spaces, because that is a thing. That's what happens. And sometimes it's hard to just, when you're in the weeds and you're like doing it every single day to be able to look even 30 days ahead, 90 days ahead. And we really help you see what could happen with just like very small tweaks. We're not talking like a full revamp of your entire business. Okay.
So we're super excited. Go send us a DM. Go grab your ticket. Go start the conversation. Are you feeling okay? You doing good over there? <laughs> no, I'm a mess. And I'm like, okay, so normally on a podcast, you can just kind of make it work, which we will. But we're also recording the video. And I think I have an eyelash. All right, well, I'll do my last I... housekeeping while you get yourself together. So yes. if you're like video, wait, what the heck? We recently started recording these episodes for your viewing pleasure over on YouTube. We know that you guys like to kind of take in content in the way that works best for you. Some of you like to have the video playing in the background and just like watching our silly hand movements enough, like really get our message across with our passion is really helpful for you. You maybe play us on your laptop while you're getting some work done. Some of you still like listening on the podcast, you know, as you're going about your day. Either way, we've got you covered. We're not going anywhere on the podcast, wherever you listen to us right now. But if you do want to see our beautiful shining faces and fresh hair and makeup and sometimes sneezing, then I definitely encourage you to head over to Boss Project's YouTube channel and check us out. Go subscribe, go watch some videos, go share some takeaways with your friends, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. You ready to dive in? Okay, let's do it. Now, I feel like this feels... Have you watched the movie Blast from the Past? Well, that makes this concept very different. Anytime, I'm gonna just gonna spoiler alert to everyone. Anytime you start the sentence with "Have you seen the movie?" and you're asking me, it's probably no. Really? I just, I don't know. <sighs> okay. Well, the concept is there is an explosion, like on this guy's property. And, you know, this was back in the 50s or so when, like, having a bunker in your own, like, property was more Mm -hmm. common. And so this family went underground and thinking they're in, like, some kind of, like, nuclear warfare. And so they have to stay underground for a set period of time. Well, they're underground. And then 20, 30, I can't remember how many years goes by. But they, like, raised their son in a bunker. And they have all the food. Down there the whole time. They didn't even think to, like... See what was going on? No, because they were afraid they were going to get radiation. And so they stay down there. And then, like, the time clock goes off because they, like, locked themselves in. And, okay, so now maybe radiation is cleared and we can come out, blah, blah, blah. And so they send their son off into the real world. And it's, like, early 2000s now and or whatever. I don't remember the time period. But, like, the world is radically different. He comes out in this bar. He, like, meets – anyway, the point of my story <laughs> is – blast from the past it really feels like we're jetting ourselves back in time to a time that feels so radically different than where we're at today that I don't even necessarily feel like the same human but in contrast to that movie I think despite it feeling like so long ago for us all of the concepts all of the things we would have done differently they still apply to today's time And I think there's this misconception that what worked seven years ago is just not going to work today. And that's just not not true. true. So what we're talking about today is what would we do differently if we were starting over? And I think I love revisiting this conversation. It's not the first time Abby and I have talked about this, but I think it's a really cool lesson, not only in the sense that things aren't that much different now, but the lessons that I even would say to myself five years ago, seven years ago, whatever, are even sometimes reminders that I need today. And oh, I think sure. those are sometimes the most helpful, crucial lessons because you've technically already learned it. And right now, maybe you just need to be re-reminded or you need another example of how you can get through that lesson. And hopefully this can help you where you're at also and save you a bunch of time and stress and worry. 
Yeah. So to take you back in time, we started as essentially a small marketing boutique. I was doing design and branding and Emily was doing photography. And when we started working together, it meant we created packages of deliverables that really connected all those pieces. So sometimes it was social media content. Emily was taking photos and stock images for brands. Other times we were delivering website design and incorporating like full on shoots, like lifestyle shoots for the brands we were working with. And instead of using paid stock photography, we were including images that made it just elevated it to a whole nother level. And we we visited one of those sites this morning. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> we invented branded <laughs> photography and, you know oh no no we didn't but it, this was definitely in the I would say early days of that being more common this was 2015 and, 2016 guys yeah it was a while ago <laughs> but we were serving local small businesses primarily in both the Kansas City market and the Tulsa market definitely more in Kansas City but It was a really interesting time and I miss it. Yeah, I definitely miss aspects of it. And I think, you know, I think the cool exercise here is to look back and kind of pretend we have that same business for a second. What are the shifts that we could have taken differently to avoid the burnout, avoid the burning it to the ground and starting over? And it's not that we don't love what we have now that don't read into that. I freaking love what we have now. And I think it, and we've said this before, it would be a much different version if we were to try to start the business we have today, right now, and try to replicate it exactly as is. Oh, it'd be really, really really difficult. If I were starting over today, this is the way I would do it today. Because I literally couldn't make the business I have today anymore. Like, it just does not. I just don't think it would cost a lot of money. But the type of business that we had or that we would start today, easy breezy. Not that it's easy to do that business, but it's it's a business model that is not going out right now. Like it's not, it's a service providing model in a much more intimate, done for you, localized way. It doesn't mean you can't travel to handle clients, but it's almost like you have a brick and mortar that you work out of kind of thing. Yeah, almost. So that kind of goes into our first point of if we were starting over, we definitely would have kept more done for you services. And now this is definitely something over the course of the years, even as we've shifted our model, where I feel like maybe once every year and a half, Abby and I are like, should we integrate done for you services again? Like, is there a way that we should try to work that into how we're even doing stuff right now? And I'm not going to say never, because I have learned that (laughs) for sure. But it's a little bit bigger shift and pivot if we were to introduce it now versus if we would have just kept honing that back in the day. For sure. But I definitely think in terms of creating profit and margin and having more control over that, so much simpler with services in the one-to-many model a lot of your costs is variable and it's out of your and control. Unpredictable. And so I feel like with done for you services, if you woke up tomorrow and you're like, you can create, consistency you can not only build sure. consistency, but you can also deliberately to be decide to be like, Hey, I want to make extra cash next month or in three months or yes. whatever. 
you can throttle up and, and you down have so much you. more control over that than anything. Like we were literally just chatting with a client yesterday who was like, Oh shit, I like throttled and made all my goals. And now I'm like, good. So I'm going to build the back end of my business and I'm going to work on my culture and my teams and my systems because I have cushion now to make that happen instead of feeling like, you know, if you're a service provider who feels like, okay, but it's the done for you services that are taking all of my time, but I need more time to get more clients because I need more money. We need to talk. So send us a DM over on Instagram. Yeah. I think there's a cycle that you can get into where it can feel like there's no way out and that you have to do something totally different. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true at all. Like we'd absolutely rather edit and tweak than continue to watch you guys painfully throw away sometimes decades worth of experience and try to start over with something new. It's very painful to watch from the sidelines. And I think other people would probably say the same thing about us. Like, I don't say this lightly, but truly, I am a fantastic designer and you are a brilliant photographer. And that hasn't changed. I would need to probably get a camera strap for my wrist because my wrist is super weak these days. I mean, we would need to make some accommodations based on our bodies about earlier like, doing our styled shoots and the work it took to make that shoot come to have like the physical labor and we were both like oh we would need to hire like movers <laughs> like we're just yeah if we were to go back and do some of the services like literally we would need more assistance we would need and when I say assistance, I don't necessarily mean like an assistant I mean like literal muscles and bodies because some of the work we were doing like a workout. It was a workout. <laughs> okay. So I want to hear your thoughts. I kind of want us to both very quickly give our own versions of pros and cons into this next thing. And this sure. next thing is also one of those things I feel like comes up every once a year, year and a half as like a, should we, or should we have, or would this work? And the idea is, is shifting into more of a firm or an agency type model. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So I think this is a really natural next step for service providers. 
and can really be an interesting way to scale that allows you to avoid burnout because you can build a team around you that is skilled and talented and can help you on the deliverable side. And if you decide to, I mean, you can still be involved in client deliverables if you want to be, but with an agency model, you do have the opportunity to move more into strategy only or management only. And I think for a lot of business owners, like once you've been doing the creative thought work for so long, sometimes you can start to get in a burnout cycle. But if you can focus on being creative and like using your mind in a different way, in my opinion, it's not as exhausting. Now, are there cons? A hundred percent. You know, I think sometimes I've seen people try to scale this up too fast and it's really hard to quality control your work at that point. If you're hiring people, like, are they going to represent the way you would do something? Are they going to talk to your clients the way you would talk to your clients? There's definitely an aspect of that that can feel scary because you're allowing other people to represent you in a much bigger way. I also can see sometimes if you do this inappropriately, I've seen people struggle with what is the pricing threshold that is still achievable for the clients I want to work with, but the price I need to charge to support the team that I have, like sometimes the pricing versus team, it can start to get a little like, Ooh, I don't know. Like this is pretty premium. Not that I think that's a bad thing, but I think there's some definite like struggles that can come up with that. But if you are looking to scale, and you're in the services realm, agency-esque. I think that there are versus- versions that you can do. And I think my biggest hesitation has been, because I'm starting to learn this skill a little bit more, but if you had asked me even maybe six or eight months ago, I probably would have been like, no, because of this hesitation. And it's more so the fact of like having that big of a team or be responsible for that many people and really making sure... I enjoy working with people a lot more than I That's think what I, I mean. Like eight months ago, I'd have been like, I don't want to do that. And so that means I would have to do all the work myself and grow it. But I'm now seeing that I am really capable actually of figuring that out. And it feels fun again. But I do want to give you a resource. If you are a service-based business owner, even if you're not going to do it, but if you've entertained the idea of what could it look like to have an agency, there's this book, I'm holding it up on our video. It's called Built to Sell by John Warlio, maybe is how you say it. <laughs> you can find it on Amazon. And don't let the title fool you. You do not have to have any desire to sell your business to get amazing takeaways from this book. I read this book for the first time probably three or four years ago, and it drastically just like made a couple of shifts in my brain about how I think about our services, our offers, and our company. And if you even think that you might be hiring employees to deliver some of your client deliverables, this is a really amazing book to start getting your headspace in, figuring out your niche and how you frame up your service as a product. It's really about productizing your service because if you go to sell your business, you need something that can be replicated, but it helps you even if you're not doing that. So. Oh, and I have so many thoughts about that productization Mm -hmm. aspect. Like, I think there's so many things that can be done because I, mm, how do I say this? There's a lot of you out there who are convinced you can't have a team because you think you're really special. (laughs) You, and baby, you are really special, but your service isn't. No, it's really not. 
So you can teach a lot more of that than you realize. And even to the point of, I think there's also this misconception that like, okay, maybe you like design the initial concept. You think other people couldn't model that. They can. If you hire the right people. Well, not just if you hire the right people. If you do the work first to set it up. To be able to be yeah, taught and replicated first, creating the systems around it, communication around it, SOPs and standards. There's definitely work. We're not saying that you can just hire someone tomorrow and they'll be able to deliver it like you do. Don't fool yourself, but it is possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this next piece I want to talk about because I think everyone needs to hear it because everyone wants the sexy version of what happened. And it's happened to us a couple times in a couple of different areas. And when it's happening, it's very exciting. And it's very fun. And you think it's going to like... And the aftermath is a fucking shit show. It's going to like fix everything and change everything for the better. And there's never going to be a hard part after this. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. So the lesson here is I... This is the lesson I need to learn today too and be reminded of. I will do anything in my power to scale and grow slower with intention so that I have a stable base as I reach the next level, rather than seeking growth super fast. Ratcheting up sounds good. Trust me, it does. But, and I also, now here's the thing that I get a little caught up in. Is my version of scaling fast the same as someone else's version? Probably not. And if I had a different experience Like, for instance, if I were starting over today, I think I could go from zero to half a million in a year, and I wouldn't think that was No, 100%. And the number is relative, truly. It doesn't actually matter. What I'm talking about is, because when I say it's happened to us multiple times, I mean that. Like, it's not just like, oh, when we hit this financial benchmark, and then that only happens once, so you only feel like you scaled fast once. It could be anything that, like your version of business viral. And that's how I kind of feel it and view it as it does. It's not a public thing necessarily. It could be, but it's like, Oh, all of a sudden, all of these things are happening. And on the outside, they're all really positive things. But on the inside, I don't have the system set up. I don't have the communication set up. I don't have the lessons learned that I need to have learned in order to be this new version of myself to sustain this. There's so many things that have to happen. I think the part that's probably the hardest is the self, like, are you able to grow fast enough yourself to sustain the thing? And I think, I think a lot of times I feel like women tend to put themselves in a box that they have to be fully equipped to be at a certain stage or they're, yeah, what is that, what is that stat where it's like failing? men apply for a promotion when they have like 60% of the skills or whatever. And women only apply. No, like it's 90. like way less. I think it's I like think 40 it is too. I'm or 30. literally okay. making that up, but it's drastically different. Yeah. And women think they have to have like 90 or 95% to apply for a promotion or apply for a new job. And it's like, that's not true, but I do think as women, it's easy to talk yourself out of things because you just don't think you're ready. So I feel all of that to say, yes, I would scale slower because I do think you can build a more stable base. And I feel like my version of slow now is really different than my version of slow five years ago because I have more knowledge. And so a tangible example, so it could be like, what does it actually mean to scale slower and with intention? And especially for a service-based business, what I mean by that is like, 
okay, for example, the client I was bringing up earlier scaled really quickly. Within six weeks, she nearly 2X'd her revenue from the previous year, 60K in contracts. And then it ended up being even more than that after she sent it out to new clients, let go of a couple clients, but kept a bunch and then got new ones. And what she could have done was seen how quick and easy, and I put that in air quotes on the video, quick and easy that was. So she could have chosen to keep doing that and like even double what she had already gotten within six weeks. She could have very easily done that. But instead she took a break and she took a pause and she was like, okay, this feels okay. And I know I can manage this. And now I'm looking ahead and deciding to spend this other time, not getting new leads and a shit ton of more new clients, but doing behind the scenes, building the solid foundation work. And we're helping her do that. So she was able to see it, but that's what I mean is like deliberately. Yeah. It'd be really easy to be like, Oh, I was able to get to 15 clients a month. And so now I'm going to go to 30 clients a month. And and like, and maybe people, the systems, the process is built up to sustain that. Yeah. And you might be able to, some of you might be able to get the sales, but then like the, on the fulfillment side, you're floundering because you don't have the project management in place. You don't have the like team to support that many people. Or And our version of that for one to many was choosing to continue to scale, but like, oh shit, more students, more members, more clients means we need more customer service, means we need more responses, means we're going to have, there's just so many different things that you have to then create a system or a job for, and then to hire and do the job description, do the interview and then onboard and train. And like, there are so many things that need to happen with just one decision. And I don't think those things are thought of enough in the scaling process. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. let's talk about systems and software. <laughs> yeah, systems and software. So systems have always been one of our favorite things. And I think part of it comes from like the desire to like to see how things work and how things connect. And even if I'm not the person ultimately doing the thing, I want to know the process. I want to look at that whole thing. Now, I remember early on, Emily would get on to me because she'd be like, why are we still hacking this thing together? There was a system and a process, but it was a really manual or it was very rudimentary. I mean, it was like using scotch tape to like put stuff together. Like it was like not, (laughs) it was getting a spy. Okay. But a lot of that was not from the willingness to like look at better systems or better software, it came down to finances and thinking, oh, well, if I keep costs so lean, then that's going to be better for me. And I have come to find out that like, there are some things I will no longer blink an eye. I'm like, I don't even care if it's $300 a month, $50. I mean, whatever. It just depends on what it is. But there's absolutely things in our business that the system, it provides the framework it provides that's already done. And you get to just like integrate it into your existing world. Like I can't imagine operating our business without a project management system, without a CRM, without a communication channel that we all use. Like, well, and I think Because ultimately what that comes down to is the transition behind when you first start your business and you're literally doing everything and you are trying to make the most, save the most, keep the most money. But that transition that needs to happen when you start to understand the value of your time and you don't 
like you might do the time study of what it takes for you to finish a project for a client or, you know, offboard a client or whatever it might be. But are you doing a time study in how long it takes you to hack your bookkeeping or your client management system or your emails or your file management or your notes? And really taking a look at like a systems audit of where you're spending your time. And I know that we think that the lost time that it takes to find a system, set up the system, create the SOPs or the processes, like is time that you're not getting back, but it literally is. It literally is. Yeah. I think you would be shocked what come of you investing into some of these systems. You sent me this comment the other day that like <laughs> really hit the nail on the head for me where someone was essentially talking about like a lot of people tend to blame systems and software like a lot of people and they'll say oh like so-and-so sucks this software sucks whatever but a lot of them aren't willing to do the work to actually set it up to utilize it the way it was intended to be utilized and if you're not willing to invest that upfront time, then of course it's not going to work for you because you're expecting time. magic to fall yeah, out of the air. Of course air. it's going to still be a headache. And learning to expect what a software can deliver and nothing else. I, there is no one software that does everything. It's truly. No. And we have known this from the beginning. We've talked about this from the beginning whenever we share software. Like, you know, there's those tools and I'm not even literally thinking of any particular one, but like, especially a couple of years ago when like social media, like scheduling and posting tools became even more popular, like five or six years ago, they tried to be like everything for you, like your content planner and your scheduler and your poster and your searching tool and your this and your that. And like a couple of their features just like freaking sucked. Like they just didn't work. They weren't that great. And a lot of them now have realized to just lean in on what they do really well. But I also encourage you to do that. If like find the software, you don't have to use a hundred percent of the software for it to be effective. You don't, but you need to use and spend enough time to set it up to get it working for you because that's literally what a software's job is. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up because apparently the internet needs to learn this lesson more than once because in that book I'm reading about Netflix's evolution. He's talking about the dot-com boom and crash. And basically there was this guys out there that if you were going to be successful in the online world, you did have to be everything to everybody. So if movies were your industry, then you had to be a community mm -hmm. and a platform movies, and a content stream source. movies, deliver movies. Yeah. Great mm -hmm. movies. And they were like, this isn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason we feel this way is because we are influenced by, we. there are companies out there that are attempting to be everything for everybody. And some of them are doing a decent enough job that you're convinced that you can do it too, but you're not Amazon. So like, and you forget that Amazon started as a bookstore. Yeah. Well, and Amazon also isn't everything. You can't like grocery plan there. So don't, no, I could talk about that for days. But speaking of niching and getting clear on your messaging and result, this is a good segue. I, again, this is one of those on this list that like I need to be reminded of today and probably tomorrow and next month because we've had an opportunity so many times to do this. And for some reason, we've been like, ah! like, I don't know. But 
it's the mistake of, or what I wish we had done differently, or if I were starting over, here's what I would do. I would not be afraid to go all in on one niche messaging or result that we serve for people, period. It's hard because, because we're really good at a lot of things. <laughs> you Well, that's true. You can be good at many things, but you also can get in this cycle where you're scared to let go of certain products because then you feel like all your eggs are in one basket and you want to diversify. And I want to remind myself of a lesson we learned years ago, and we just need to keep this in the back of our minds. Okay, yes, you do want to diversify your income, but your diversified income doesn't all have to come in the form of your business. And so your business, how you spend your time can be in one clear way, but maybe you also make money on investments. Speaking of my financial advisors literally calling me right now. <laughs> We're um, busy. <laughs> maybe you make money on investments and that you have a financial planner that like you literally equip with your money to have them go do something with. I think we're in this world where we're like, oh, well, we need seven streams of income. And then we think we got to fit them all in the box of our business. And I just think that's like, not only is that very hard to do, but unless you have the team that can really focus on these individual things, you're trying to like, you're just trying to do all the things all at once. And I just don't, unless, well, I don't the, know. I just think it's really hard. And the quote hard. that we heard, if your goal is to make a million dollars, right? Maybe that's what your goal is. My brain had told me that has to come from my business. And this was years ago. But my coach said to me, what if your business isn't the only way you make a million dollars? And it was just like, oh, oh, <laughs> obviously. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a piece of the puzzle. Like you can invest in real estate. You can get outside investments. You can invest in other businesses, but again, not be like actively running. You can have a dual income household. (laughs) Yeah. So silly. As people are Mm -hmm. silly, including us. Okay. And so I think it's important that like, okay, my main thing here is Like what happens when you really hone in and you focus on one clear message and one clear result? I think there's so much opportunity to grow faster, but in a more sustainable way because you're not creating product confusion. And it's, it's the best way to start to build a business that you actually love, right? Because I feel like every service provider goes to the growing up phase of offering all of the services to all of the types of clients. And then maybe you narrow down your services, but you're still offering it to all the clients or vice versa. And then there's one more growing up phase of like, Nope, these are the type of people I want to serve and this is what I want to offer. And it's that right there that I don't want you to be afraid to go all in on because having clients not book is not a bad thing. No, it's not. <laughs> I, we literally had that conversation with someone yesterday. She's like, oh, well, like my... She went from 100% growth rate to conversion rate went down. Yeah, and it was like, 
I don't know why we convince ourselves that closing less people is bad when we become more clear on who we're ideal for, when we become more clear on who's the best fit to work with us, because you're creating less headaches on the back end. Because when you're early on, and I'm not saying don't do this, because I think there is a time and a space where you do need cash and you, you can be more willing to take on a more diverse client pool because you have to learn and experiment. Like, I do think that's a phase that's required. Like, could you go all in early? Maybe. But I do think there takes some experimentation to figure out what are you really good at and what do you really like doing? And I, until you experiment, you could hypothesize all day long, but I've seen some people attempt to go all in on something that they haven't actually done before and then they hate it. <laughs> so like I would experiment and then get clear as quickly as well, possible. Also, and also followed up be- her fear with like, yeah, I, I knocked it down to 50%, but every time I land a client now, it's like two of my old clients because of my prices. <laughs> but, and then she followed it up with it to say, well, the ones that didn't go forward, I really didn't want to work with them anyway. And then I was like, I'm like, I just hope you hear okay. yourself because I hear you, babe. I heard everything you just said. And theoretically, the, what I'm hearing is you probably could have made a move forward, but you didn't really want them to move forward. So you put off the energy that you didn't want them to move forward, whether you said those words or not. <laughs> okay. So let's go into our last thing that I would be very intentional if I were starting over to If you walk away with nothing else, in my opinion, I really think this this is the thing because this is going to cause, it's going to come up for you because the way we're taught to work is to work really hard. And so like the odds of you getting to this point are high. And and you're going to get to it multiple times because I've had to have this conversation with myself multiple times. I've learned this lesson and I've practiced this skill and I've begun to really figure out the questions I need to reflect on and ask myself to identify the actual, the cause, and then to make decisions based around that. So the thing that I would do differently and what I'm recommending to you to do today, right now, if you're, especially if you're already in this season of feeling burnout and exhausted and overworked and underpaid and stressed out and hating your clients and hating your work and wanting to change everything, if any of that sounds familiar, I would love for you to take a breather and sit for a second and maybe journal out or process out with a friend, I want you to try to identify the actual cause of the burnout. Because I promise you, it's not just the fact that you have your own business or that you serve clients or that you're in your niche or your industry or that you offer this certain service. It doesn't necessarily mean it's all of those things combined. It could be maybe just the communication with clients, maybe boundaries. Maybe it's your systems. Maybe everything feels like it just drags on and projects take forever. Maybe it feels like the money isn't there and we need to reevaluate what you're actually offering. Maybe it's the type of people that you're working with, but it's more often than not like just one or two things. Well, and sometimes the burnout is actually, it's showing up in work, but it's coming from other parts of your life. Like, is the communication in your marriage off? Are your kids stressing you out? Do you have a sick family member? Are you sick? Do you have a chronic illness? Like, is there something else at play here? And are we being really honest about what's aiding in the stress? What's aiding in the chaos? What's aiding in the burnout? And the common thing I see, and I don't know if it's because 
I don't know what causes it to happen more often in this group of people, but y'all tend to, when this creeps in, you just want to change everything. It's sort of like when, when you like walk into your bedroom enough times and you're like, I'm just going to, I want a new bed frame and I want to repaint the walls and I want to like redecorate and I want to redo the whole thing. And it's just like, and it sounds fun. Like if you just like cleaned your dresser, start- would you feel better? <laughs> And I'm not saying that you don't need to remodel sometimes like for your business. Like, I'm not saying that's not true, but so often you're like, take it down to the studs or literally rip the whole house out from under you. I've watched people walk away from businesses making multiple six figures and just shutting it all down. They could have tweaked a handful of things, created systems, hired over here, restructured the boundaries here. And it would have just, oh yeah, actually it's just because I feel like, you know, and it's never, it's maybe never this small, right? But this is what I hear a lot from clients, specifically that boundary that they have with their clients and their team or their expectations for when they think they have to be working and doing their business. I'm like, what if you just like, I don't know, honored your boundaries for 30 days. Let's like, let's just start there. Well, so the thing I want you to be mindful of, and we got the opportunity to experiment with this, which is, I think has helped illustrate this for us, but some of you don't have this luxury. And so I just want to let you in on a little secret. So a couple of years ago, Emily and I were like, what would happen if we like didn't require ourselves to be full-time at Boss Project and we allowed ourselves to experiment with other businesses and there was no conflict there. Like you could fully lean into whatever you want. I could fully lean into whatever I want. I will tell you that waking up two years later, I didn't want to work that hard. Starting from scratch is so much more work than I think you guys are realizing. And uh, could I do it? Yes. Could I build another business? I absolutely could. But I promise you, regardless of where you're at or what stage you're at, tweaking something inside an existing system that's even even working 25% or 30%, it's going to feel like, oh, it'd be easier to start over. It's not most well, of the and I time. think what that taught me too is okay. So you know, I think for a while, maybe people are kind of segueing out of this language, but for a while, a lot of people were calling themselves not just small business owners, but entrepreneurs. Right? I'm a creative entrepreneur. I'm a creative business owner. Whatever or entrepreneur was in their language, and the actual like definition or meaning behind what an entrepreneur is is someone who like is excited about the idea of starting and being a part of multiple different ventures, projects, fundraising, whatever, right? And I thought that's who I was. So part of that break, we did like what Abby was talking about. We worked on our own projects. We like, we needed our own like independent creative time, I feel like, because we had been so closely intertwined for so long. And it taught us that we can get our independent creative time in different ways while still focusing just on this thing. And I think we both realized, you know what? Maybe I'm not actually an entrepreneur and that's okay. I can be a kick-ass small business owner of my thing, a co-founder of a really cool company that shifts and pivots with the needs of our clients and us and the market and whatever, right? We can tweak this thing. And I like to think of our business as a disco ball, right? Where like all the facets are a little bit different if you turn it just a little bit, but it's the same core structure. And I was like, 
I think I finally came to terms with the fact that I'm not actually an entrepreneur and that's okay. And I don't really want to do that. I have no desire to like start another business from scratch tomorrow on the side. I literally don't. That sounds awful to me. (laughs) And so if that's the identity that I don't want, then what does it mean to lean into what I actually want? Yeah. What I like, consistent cash. What I like, time to do things that aren't work. And the things that aren't work, shocker, I don't have to get paid to do I was just going to say, what I like, um, figuring out what it means to have hobbies that I don't get paid to do. I don't know what that means still. If you're a serial, turn your hobby into somehow getting paid, even if it sucks, like even if the money is terrible, you got to stop doing that because the stress you're putting yourself under to not just like enjoy the thing is crazy. Well, and ask yourself, would I still enjoy this thing if I didn't have an opportunity to get paid? And if the answer is no, then that's not a hobby. Yeah, because if the only thing fueling you is the dollars, then it's not about the thing you're doing. Like, I mean, to the point, just to illustrate how often this comes up, it's like Emily got good at clay earrings and then like I started this thing over here and I probably had three or four things at various points, but even to the point of, oh, well, I could also do this and I could also do that. And I I like to bake. I like to cook. Like maybe I'll write a cookbook. Oh my God. It was nonstop. And sometimes you need a phase where you're just like allowing yourself to try on all the hats. I get that. But when I realized I could just like bake a loaf of bread and I didn't have to take a fucking picture to share it on Instagram. And that's what I've talked to myself about because I love doing DIY projects for our house. I truly love like painting and adding, you know, features to our walls and doing whatever. And in my entrepreneur-esque brain. Yeah. You think you have to share it. Well, not just sharing it, but has told me like, how can I set this up to get paid? And is there a sponsor for this? Is there a way I could shift my Instagram to be like, that's where my brain goes. I'm an Enneagram three. That's how I look at nearly everything in my life. I was literally giving parent advice to someone yesterday on Instagram and the voice messages. And I was like, I could write a fucking book on this. Like, could that be like, that's just my brain. Not that I'm going to explore those things, but that's where my brain immediately goes. And so I've had to learn how to kind of check myself and be like, you can do it for fun. And if you start doing it as a requirement, you're not going to like it. You won't. I know that about myself. And so like, with my living room paint color, for example, I love sharing that on stories and just getting people's like thoughts and feedback and what would you do and whatever. I already know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't actually care what you like vote or say, but it's really fun having that community conversation. But I'm not like, hey, Sherwin Williams, you want to pay for my living room? Because as soon as they pay for my living room, I'm going to feel immediate dread on, I have to take photos of every step of this project and I have to document it and I have to post about it. And I don't want to do any of that part. (laughs) Well, and the part that I find hard is I do enjoy doing a lot of those things. I do enjoy documenting. I do enjoy the photos. And, you know, there are phases of my life that are just like straight up missing because I was like, I'm just going to put the camera down. And now I don't have the photo and like that bothers me, but I just find it interesting that you can, there is a way to mature through this and realize, and everyone's end result will be different. But I know for both, I'll just speak for myself. I know for myself, it has meant it's okay to only have one job. And like, and part of that is an insecurity thing, like a money insecurity thing. Like I was so worried about it all just going poof for some reason that I'm like, I need need to create other forms of security for myself. 
And I don't, I, I don't think need the only a other plan. thing that we both know that we want to do separately and perhaps together also, but for sure separately is write a book. Yep. I agree. I'll probably still write a cookbook at some point and I want to write a business book. I have a couple business books up my sleeve, but it no longer has become a, well, if I could do this, I'm like, no, it, it's going to happen. It's just when, and I'm not worried about the timeline anymore. And it's recognizing those pieces about going back to the conversation of burnout, of you forcing things to have to happen because of a fear. That's generally what burnout stems from. And if you actually identify the actual issue that's causing it, can you tweak that? Maybe tweaking it is getting therapy, (laughs) getting coached through it, getting a system in place, whatever it might be, is the burnout as big? That's what I want you to really linger on. All of this to say... If we could go back in time, the short and quick of it is we would more than likely be doing a service-based business. We probably would have built it agency style. We'd have a really clear, concise, high-touch signature service. We wouldn't be offering a million a la carte options. We'd be really clear on the problem we're solving, the people we're talking to. We probably would have a pretty local market. Like we wouldn't be afraid to get some press here and there, but like I we wouldn't care if we were only known in our local city for the work we do and we'd both be okay with working and then setting down work and doing fun things on the weekends that are really just about having fun and like filling ourselves up and like there's still a part of me that thinks well maybe that someday that all those things will still happen and like and a lot of those things even if we were to start over blah blah, blah what would we do there are so many aspects of that that we are reincorporating into our existing business model because we see so much value in that And so I want you to know, even though the way we offer services is a little bit different, we're still modeling a lot of the things we know are like tried and true, will work, long lasting legacy building. We were literally, we pulled up a client website. It has been seven, six or seven years since we built it. I swear to God, it looked like it rolled off the presses last week because it is so classic. And if we can do business that way, like I don't want to be a flash in the plan. I want to be around a long time. And so baby, we're so classic. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.